This is The Incubator, a weekly discussion about new advances in neonatology and the fascinating individuals who make this progress possible. I am Dr. Ben Korsha. And I'm Dr. Daphne Yasova-Barbeau. We are neonatal intensive care physicians. Welcome. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Um, Daphna, how are you today? I'm doing great. I'm very excited for the guests. Uh, So am I. So am I. So um, do you want to introduce our two guests for the day? Sure. It would be an honor. It's really, really a pleasure for us to have um, these two physicians on today. Uh, We have Dr. Dara Brodsky, uh, who's an associate professor at Harvard Medical School, uh, the director of education for the Department of Neonatology um, at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center, and also the editor-in-chief for Neo Reviews. We have Dr. Camelia Martin, um, who's also an associate professor at Harvard Medical School and the associate director of the Neonatal Intensive Care Unit and director for cross-disciplinary research partnerships in the Division of Translational Research at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center. Um, so thank you both for joining us today. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, our pleasure. We're looking forward to this too. <laughs> Great to be here. So for the people who, who are not uh, familiar with your work, I don't know how that would be possible, though. Uh, <laughs> you're both achieved um, research and clinical excellence. But the main uh, reason we really wanted to talk to you is because you've impacted, I think, the life of every neonatal trainee by publishing a series of, book, of books, um, inclu- including Neonat- Neonatology Review, that I think was uh, first uh, published 18 years ago. Uh, you have another set of books, Neonatology Review Images, Neonatology Review Questions and Answers. So um, it feels like we know you already, but in case anybody had not realized who you were, this is a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I think we went about it saying, you know, what would we have liked if we were a fellow, right? And uh, we didn't see what we wanted, so we created it. That's awesome. I guess I guess this was my my first question is this dedication to medical education. Um, there, there's a difference between putting together a set of notes for your board that you mm-hmm. can locally share with your friends and, and colleagues, but to take the next step really and to say, you know what, we're going to make this into a, a series of books and we're going to publish this for everybody to access. How does that come about? And do you think there's anything in your personal backgrounds that steered you in that direction of, of sharing at this sort of, on this sort of scale? Right. I, um, I'll start and then I'll give Dara's thoughts on the process. Like I said, um, you know, we really weren't seeing what we wanted at the time we were studying for the boards. Uh, Did I have anything in my phenotype beforehand? I think I always liked medical education. Um, I was a chief resident, so I was used to that sort of forum and and getting to distill information for trainees. But I think also fortunate that I was studying with Dara. So we were a lot alike in the sense that we scoured, like where we would just scour everything, write notes down. We got together with a plan of how to approach for the boards and we stuck to it. And I still have my boxes, like big boxes of 
I do too. <laughs> hundreds and hundreds. And we would get together and we would share the content. And if she created a card that I didn't have, I would Xerox it and vice versa. And so we had this complete set. And then at the end, it's, you know, after we were done, we were like, you know what? Nothing exists out there like this. And what we just did, and I felt the smartest then. I, mm -hmm. I'm not as smart as I, I was then. <laughs> I, was, I, I was definitely the smartest then. Um, so before we talk about why the publication, how we went about that, let me let Dara talk about sort of how she felt at the beginning. No, I, I agree with you, Cami. I, I had a, a background in basic science where I joined a lab in my second year of fellowship and um, enjoyed that. But I was always drawn to teaching, um, even starting way back in college. And uh, it, I was really excited when Cami and I worked together to think that we can take this material that we had created and all this work that we had put in to give it to someone else in a way and um, and to summarize everything so that someone else did not need to have to go through all that work that we did. So that was part of our impetus. Um, I, I so, think also we yeah. probably shared a, a similar approach of how we learn. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not someone with a photographic memory. I'm not someone who necessarily mm -hmm. gets it the first round. I, I sit and I break it down into little steps so that not only can I understand it, but then you can teach it, right? You have to really understand it at a different level to teach it. And and Dara had that same same methodological sort of approach that and that that helped, I think. That's so cool. So so really the book is really born out of your own notes for studying, it sounds like. Absolutely. Uh -huh. I had not previously realized that. That's really cool. And I, I mean, I, full disclosure, I use the books. I love the books. So it's exactly how I would have chosen uh, to study. So tell us a little bit, like you said, about how, how did you really run with it and say, okay, we're going to do this? Yeah, we decided, you know, we would look at the cards. We're like, we can't let that just sit. You Absolutely. know, I, I think, you know, I also wanted to, to create something that was sort of longer lasting that I could look back to, mm -hmm. right? I didn't right. want to flip through three by five, mm -hmm. four by six cards anymore. <laughs> I wanted to be able to create something that I could sit and read and look at. And so it was selfishly just as much as putting it in a form that I thought would be great for myself, as well as at the same time thinking how we can do that for others. And so we started talking about, let's see if we can pitch this. I mean, not, neither of us had done this before. Right. And we said, let's pitch it. And I, I think it was you there who said, well, let's do a sample chapter. We picked respiratory as the uh -huh. sample chapter. You'll soon, soon learn over the hour that I'll think of ideas <laughs> and Dara does them. <laughs> it is very true. <laughs> so this is another reason why this is a good partnership. So Dara said, okay, I'll do the respiratory chapter. And she wrote it up and it was, it was awesome. Very much like the first edition of the book. And we sent it out Thank to... You. I don't know, four or five different publishers. And one wrote back and said, we like this. And I remember we went to the Coop at, yes. the, at the time yes. in um, across the street from That's Boston right. Children's. And we opened up a book to figure out <laughs> neonatology books, potential publishers. Yeah, and that's how we found the names of, you know, where to send our proposal to. Um, and of course it, 
you know, we, the idea of, oh, here are these cards in front of us, let's translate them into a document, a Word document. That seems so simple, but it's not that simple. It was so time consuming. We had to go back to the original sources. Remember you, Tammy, I remember sometimes you had this graph on your index card. Exactly. We couldn't remember where it was from. We we weren't quite sure about the x-axis and, the, and how it was labeled. And we had, it was so difficult, much and, more than And I can only to. imagine how when you tr- you move from my own, your own notes to a book, there must be like, oh, what about all the things that I take for granted that I might yes. need to actually spell out in the book mm-hmm. for people who are not so comfortable <laughs> with some of the areas that I'm comfortable with? Yeah, you know, yep, and that absolutely. I think evolved even more with the latest mm-hmm. edition because mm-hmm. we tried to move a little bit deeper and give a bit more background on the topic, a bit more explanation, a bit more diagrams and tables to solidify the concepts. And mm-hmm. I remember we would joke around. I'm like, you know, Daryl, I'm not sure they need a picture of like the sixth finger for volatility. <laughs> I think. I think people would know that, but we were just really just trying to not assume anything. But then it's striking a balance between making something concise and to the point and high yield versus too much. That's and exactly then you kind right. of get lost in right. the weeds. And that's, so, exact, that's yeah. exactly right. I mean, I, I remember a discussion I had with, I, I was fortunate enough to be in a, in a writing course with Neil deGrasse Tyson. And he kept saying, you strike the right balance when you know when to explain enough, but not too, but not right. too much. And right. that's when good science writing is achieved. And I think that's why your books are so popular because it really feels like as, as a trainee, it doesn't break it down to a pediatric resident level, but mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, mm-hmm. at, it's exactly at the right level. So, um, yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, I remember when I first started looking through the book and I said, why didn't anybody tell me to get this on the first day of fellowship so that (laughs) I knew what I was talking about along the way, not just in, you know, studying for the boards. I I think it would have been helpful even more so had I had I used it that way. How long did it take from kind of idea, talking to the publisher, to kind of books on the shelf? Well, we started, we took our exam in 1999, right? That was our initial certification, Cami. And then we published the book in 2003. So uh, I think, right? That's pretty fast. fast. And I think, I think I remember talking to you, Cami, right after the board exam and said, we've got to do this. We have to literally we finished the exam and then we said, let's do the book. And so we just went with it. I was afraid I failed. That was the other sort of impetus. I was going to say the level of confidence to come out of the board exam saying we should write the book on how to study for this is. We got to give you credit for that. It was born out of confidence, right? It was born out of, I'm going to have to do this again. So let's like, (laughs) let's organize these notes. Remember we went to some experts. There was um, Mary Ellen Wall who's, um, I think as she's passed away since, but she was this amazing um, physiologist in respiratory, um, like sort of ventilation and perfusion. And I think we had to meet with her three times to understand ventilation oh, I and know, perfusion. I know. It was way over our and heads. That's a good point. We were much more worried about putting out content that was physiologically incorrect. And so we mm-hmm. did, for the most of the chapters, we did have a, a reviewer. Somebody who mm-hmm. said, sure, you know, I'll take a look at the content, make sure you're not saying anything 
very wrong. And um, we didn't necessarily do that in this latest, but we did with the first edition. And so the first edition was was not self-published then? No, no. Correct. And, and so then no. for, for the people who uh, are not familiar with the different editions, there's we're currently in the Neonatology Review books, we're in we are at the third edition. And and there was this departure in 2010 for the second edition where you decided to self-publish and make the books available for, for direct sort of ordering on lulu.com, which is a self-publishing website. Um, can you tell us a little bit what create what motivated this departure uh, to, towards self-publishing? Sure. Um, so at the time, um, most of our content in the first edition and future editions, as Kami said, was physiology based. But there was some content that we thought was outdated and we thought um, we can improve upon even some of the explanations. So we wanted to publish a second edition. And I think that was about five or six years later. And at that time, Hanley and Belfis, they had been bought by Elsevier and Elsevier is a very large publishing company. And we went to them and said, we want to publish a second edition. And they were not interested. This was sort of like a very small book for them. The number of sales were not significant enough for them to think about publishing it. And um, so here- I'm sure they're regretting that decision. (laughs) Yeah. So they did come back to us later. So- Ah. This is where um, Cammie's the idea man. And um, so she had this brilliant idea to self-publish the book. And um, I think, Cammie, you were the one who found uh, an article about Lulu. And there was a comparison between Lulu and Amazon. And we thought the advantages of Lulu at the time were um, better. And um, they were more invested just in Mm -hmm. self-publishing and just with books as opposed to Amazon that had already started to grow. Um, And so Elsevier, they gave us the publishing rights. um, And we then set out to create the book in a Word document. And (laughs) crazy. And so we try to mimic the formatting of the first edition pretty much exactly. And so we learned so much about formatting, so <laughs> formatting more than we ever wanted to know. So for example, how to change line spaces, yeah. um, how to condense words yeah. and how to draw images. We drew all, at least all my images I drew through Microsoft Word yeah. and it was so much more challenging than we had anticipated. And we published that second edition um, in 2010 and a few years later, actually, Elsevier did come back to us. I'm sure they did. Yeah. <laughs> and they wanted to publish a third edition. Um, but by that time, we were just really happy with Lulu and we had done so much legwork even, um, even, that it didn't really make sense. Even converting to PDFs were, <laughs> were a challenge that we had to learn all When the you time. convert to PDF and all the margins are shifted oh, and, and everything's on the board. <laughs> And in the picture, right, the picture changes on the page. And uh, oh, what is nice nightmare. about Lulu is that we we can change on the dime. Like if someone writes us and say, mm-hmm. oh, you've got, you know, a two here instead of a three, or you have it divided instead of multiplied, whatever error it is, we can make that change. And the next order of that book would reflect the change. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really nice that it allow us uh, real time editing. And updating almost. Yeah, because it's Lulu functions Super as a print-on-demand sort of uh, system. Perfect. Exactly. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So and nice. so that was perfect. And then also too, you know, I just I don't know why any any medical person would not self-publish anymore because mm-hmm. the publishers take 
everything. I think we were like mm-hmm. they every sale of a book, Darren and I like mm-hmm. shared five percent of whatever that sale was. Now it's essentially opposite of Lulu. And we can talk about what we're doing with those funds, but I mean, why would you why would you not want to do that? Where Lulu respected sort right. of the 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 content developers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think I think That's there's awesome. going to be a need for a shift uh, for a major disruptive sort of change in the uh, publishing, especially in medical publishing. Considering that when a book is yeah. being published, like you said, it goes out of date pretty quickly. Yes, and uh, mm-hmm. and and the reward for the authors is is minimal. I think I wrote a chapter for a book, and they gave me like I think fifty bucks or hundred bucks, and I was just so happy that I wrote a chapter. And then the book itself <laughs> called cost like a thousand dollars, and I said, "Can you give me a copy?" And they said, "No." <laughs> That's right. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. I would like to see a lot of changes happening in medical publishing, including journals and 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 your you know primary mm-hmm. research, original research. Mm-hmm. So. I'm just sitting here thinking about how much work you guys had to put in in those first few years just out of fellowship. And those few years are kind of daunting, even if you have no side projects, right? Even if you're just trying to be a new attending. So how did you do it? Or how did the project help you? Did it make it harder? Did it make it you know, easier? How did, how did that go? I mean, we did a lot of nights and weekends. I remember my first maternity leave was terrible. Tammy, if you remember that, I lived in this teeny apartment and I, we were working, I think the deadline was pretty soon after maternity leave ended Mm -hmm. and I was working, but instead of, you know, you're supposed to sleep when you're hot, when your baby sleeps, I was up writing and it was a terrible time for me. It it was a lot of work, but I think we were also excited about it. And Mm -hmm. right out of fellowship, right. You want, you're a sponge. You want to know everything. So we were Mm -hmm. pretty heavy clinically, but I was using that to help, you know, you know, fill out the, the holes of the book or content. And, um, and like I said, I was like, the smartest I've ever been was like when we were writing that. So it was a nice reinforcement of concepts and practicing and being and attending for the first time. And so I just remember a lot of work, but having fun and being excited about it. It, it feels like the podcast, yeah, Daphne, I right? I mean, we, we, it takes a lot of yeah. time, but yet we learn so much. It's, it's <laughs> a so lot, true. a lot more than we anticipated, yeah, no, but we, we're learning. Yeah. We're learning so now, much. Now I wish I got the same benefits. I mean, it, it's funny. I'll be on call. One of the NMPs will say, oh, they'll tell me some fact. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. It's in your book. And I'm like, it must've been first chapter because <laughs> so, I don't remember I, I, it. I'm going to jump on that because <laughs> I wanted to ask this question. When you write that book, not just any book, but this book specifically, how do you deal mm-hmm. with the expectation from everybody else that you're going to know everything? Yeah. Everything. Right. That's yeah. right. It is. And that's, and I'm just, Hey, I'm honest. What you see is what you get. And I'll just tease. I'll just say, Hey, I remembered it when I wrote it. I don't know if I remember it. Now. <laughs> or that must be Dara's chapter. Cause I have no idea what you're talking about. So I know half the book kind of well. Um, but it, it's also kind of fun to say, okay, I know a resource, I know yeah. exactly this page, where it is, and I could picture the image in my mind. I just don't remember what the image is, image has in it, right. but you know that's helpful too. Yeah. But you're right; people f- feel like we are so smart and we know all the material that's in the book, and that's not true yeah. at all. Yeah. It's, it's starting to happen with us where people said, "But you mentioned that article in your podcast," right. and I'm like, right. I know." <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> 
there's just too much to know, right? There's just so much to know. Like you said, so many things are changing all the time, but I think that's where just having fun with the process of, of learning and being that, you know, perpetual learner. I think you have to enjoy that to mm -hmm. some degree in doing things like this, the podcast books, but also in medicine, frankly. I, I wanted to ask you about the, the content of the book specifically, because I, I took my boards, uh, it was what, last year, and I am extremely grateful for, for these books to review. <laughs> and the, the content is so on point when it comes to the questions and, what's, and, and the way they're, they're dealt with on the exam. And so I was wondering, um, how do you manage to not drift off and be too technical, not technical enough? How do you really strike that, that balance that the book is extremely high yield? That's good to know wow. that it's still high yield um, because, you know, questions are being changed and formatted and, you know, content being rediscussed. And so, um, so right, we've kind of stuck true to the base to that. But yeah, dear, you wanted to say how, how I, no, I we talked a say... lot about that the last round. We definitely did. I mean, we started off by using the neonatal perinatal medicine mm -hmm. content specifications from the American Board of Pediatrics. Okay. So that was kind of our base. Yeah. And um, they've revised that many times since and many topics have since been even eliminated. Um, and, and we just um, that helped yeah. us, I think, to format the outline. Um, and then it was just sort of instinctual, I think, like we just, you know, had to sort of think about what we saw the most in our clinical experience and, and what we thought might need more clarity. Um, but we did go item by item in that outline and made sure we had some content under each of those bullets, right. something, even if it yeah. was a, a simple table or just a reference, we just wanted to make sure we were touching upon it. And that's amazing because then, then you're not collaborating with the ABP, meaning no. no. And in fact, we're not allowed to, we're not, and allowed we're not to. even allowed to serve on the board. You know, both of us do a lot of different professional activities. And um, mm. I kind of was told at one point, because we do this book, we can't be part of the process of vetting questions, uh, coming up with new questions, serving on the board, uh, which is, which is fine. <laughs> what I was going to say is that, um, you know, we just want to also emphasize that this is not the only book that people mm -hmm. should use when they study for the boards, because there are so many other things that can um, need to be supplemented when you're studying. So the AAP has the Neo Reviews Plus, which is mm -hmm. another case-based question uh, online um, option. And then there are two great board review courses, both of which Cami mm -hmm. and I talk at, the Neo Prep, sponsored by the American Academy of Pediatrics, and also the specialty review course. Um, sponsored by MedNAC. So it's not, we, I don't, I want to emphasize that it's not, you know, when you're studying fit boards, it's not just our book. There are some supplementary materials that you should. Yeah. And to a little bit of what was raised earlier is that some of the concepts are the second and third distillation of us kind of thinking mm -hmm. through it. And, and you may need exposure to that first and second part that we sort of don't have outlined there for you. And so and going through it, anything you, you don't understand or get, you should definitely just, you know, step back, look at another source, look at another primary source to make sure you know how to get to that statement. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
Daphne, go ahead. Yeah. How, how do you guys intend for people to use the books or books like yours, um, you know, read it from start to finish or how would you recommend working the way through? Yeah. Do you want to? No, go ahead. No, it, and, and we'll get to that. It just, it, what I have most enjoyed is when we're speaking at conferences or you're giving a lecture or something and people would come up and show us their book and what they've done. And it is amazing. Like we saw, I mean, there are versions where people have just in the margins wrote every note possible. Other people with like a 20 color palette scheme of highlighting and sticky notes <laughs> and underlying and taping new additional content because probably doing exactly what I just said. They get the curve. They don't quite, you know, well, maybe I need more. And so they've pasted another something in there for them. And, um, and so everybody, I think, uses it differently. And, and one person I saw basically ripped it all up, but basically wanted to be able to take a smaller version that. You know, to Starbucks mm. and just kind of flip through it and not carry this big book. And that's what really prompted the volume series. Um, mm -hmm. How would I approach it now? I, I think, um, I think it is going to be different for everybody. I would take it in, in, in any random sections, right? Any chapter can be a standalone. It doesn't have to be from front to back. I would almost prioritize it based on the percent of content on the boards. Um, so make sure you've got MFM respiratory cardiology down and, um, and then kind of, read through it, anything you don't understand, go back to the primary source, fill it in and make it your own. Um, and then follow up with as many questions as you can. But, you know, we've tried to be better about some of the images, but there's, there's going to be EKGs, there's going to be images, make sure you have a pattern recognition that backs up some of that knowledge. Can, can you tell us a little bit about that? Because the new edition has a ton of images. And I, I personally yeah. purchased the color version. So mm -hmm. it almost functioned as an atlas for certain chapters. And mm -hmm. then you do have a separate book of just images, right? Um, right. How mm -hmm. does that work in mm -hmm. terms of starting this project where you probably have to ask for permission for all these images? Is that even, is, Ooh, is that not discouraging? Did, see, this is where Dara yeah. does all the heavy lifting. Right? So Dara can talk about that. <laughs> so yeah, I think it depends upon the chapter. So for dermatology, mm -hmm. there aren't that many resources out there where you can actually copy images. Mm -hmm. So I found a few websites just randomly by looking um, that um, some were kind and allowed us to publish without any fee and some we had to actually pay a significant amount. Um, and then any diagrams you see, those have usually been drawn by us um, and they're in very, using very basic Microsoft Word, we've gotten pretty good at that. Um, and uh, any algorithms, uh, any flow charts, we've also drawn. But radiology, Dara, Dara reviews the reading on every film that's taken every day in the NICU. So she'll review the so, readings and anything mm -hmm. that's interesting. Oh, look, you know, a duodenal stenosis. And then she'll, well, we'll we have a way that we can de-identify and have permission to do mm -hmm. it that way. Yeah. And so we've saved thousands yeah. of radiographs, MRIs, CTs. Um, and so we've, you know, collected That's those awesome. for um, e EKGs also. Mm -hmm. Our EKGs in our unit are, um, you know, copied and uploaded into our computer system. So it's pretty easy mm -hmm. for us to copy um, uh, any abnormality, uh, any abnormal EKG and use that. 
So the books still take up a lot of your time. <laughs> it sounds like. In cycles. How do you balance that with all of the other things that you guys have going on? Uh, differently. <laughs> Dara, Dara plans months ahead, has edits yes. months ahead, sets mm. a deadline and actually, you know, keeps it somehow. And I will wait to the last minute. And Daryl will come into the office saying, we are publishing no matter what in, in, in three weeks. And I haven't seen a thing from you. And I'm like, I know. I'm like, yeah, I know. I got it covered. You know, and she's like, no, I'm serious. I am going to be really angry with you. <laughs> if you. And I'm like, I know, Dara. And I would be too. I get it. You know, and sure enough, I, we just work differently. I will go all out every day, 12 hours a day, 15 hours a day till I feel good about something. And I know that's in me and that's how I do it. Dara's is much more of a steady, a steady workforce yeah. um, and doesn't like that last minute frenetic. But you oh. did have to admit, you're like, wow, you did do a good job. <laughs> it was at the last minute. Got it done. So, <laughs> <laughs> it did. We just so, have different so styles. All of us, then. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Was there any issues of of working on this type of book all the while being having an academic appointment when it comes to intellectual property? And did the university ever step in and said, "Hey, like"? we want a little bit of what you guys are doing or, or was that not an issue? Because I feel like this is something that for anybody who has any type of acad academic appointment, it might be a fear to even start on something because they might say, oh, mm. do something that's going right. to belong to the university anyway. Um, was that an issue for you guys? No, we were very fortunate. Yeah. And I'm not going to wondering why wasn't it? Yeah, I don't know. It, it was, And there were, they're aware of it. It's like <laughs> on our CV and... Um, but in our department also, there right. <laughs> isn't an issue if we are working on cases, defense cases or plaintiff cases, that that's not something that we have to get approval about either Yeah. or pay our department a, a certain percentage. I know that other departments have that issue. In, yeah. in our show prep, you, you sent us um, a, a topic where you said that um, the police had to be involved at some point in time because you were being taken advantage of. Can you tell us a little bit what that's about? Mm. Yes. So this was really interesting. So um, in 2017, we had a strange situation where our books were being bought illegally. And this was through Lulu. Wow. And Lulu actually had to involve mm. the police. Um, so there was a scam. Let's see if I can explain this. So there was a scam where a group of people in Mississippi, they were hired to buy many copies of our books. So sometimes over 20 at a time. So Lulu shipped 20 copies to that to their address. And in turn, what they did is they shipped them someplace internationally to some international address. And we're, we assumed that they then got resold. Um, what it turns out is um, that they were using stolen credit cards to make those purchases. Wow. Um, yeah. So Lulu did not, um, they lost a lot of money on this um, because they were, they didn't realize that they were stolen credit cards and they were shipping the books to this address in Mississippi and um, hundreds of books this was. And so the police stopped the group from buying more books um, and they weren't able to ever track down the ringleaders. Um, but what was interesting is Lulu, because of this, they increased their security around credit card purchases. And they also have this 
fraud uh, system that so that they can monitor addresses more closely so that one address doesn't receive a ton of books. Um, And my husband, Mm -hmm. who spent years as a federal prosecutor, tells me that it's common to have this kind of fraud uh, scheme where the bad guys buy items that can be easily resold, like TVs and phones, um, and they use stolen credit cards. But it's really funny for us to think of our book being such a uh, commodity. (laughs) Um, (laughs) There was also another time, Dara, I remember when we we came across another review book and it was still when the coop was still open. And I was like, oh, you know, cool. And I was looking through it. I'm like, this looks like really familiar. <laughs> it's it our book. Like a lot wow. of our content word for word. Yeah. That's yep. insane. And I reached out to the author and sort of explained that that was plagiarism. And they, they're welcome to use it, but they at least need to cite our book <laughs> or put the words in quotes. <laughs> and, and yeah, right. I never followed through to see if they did that. But yeah. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever think there was a, a, a dramatic increase in neonatology activity? And <laughs> you're like, business is booming over there. Well, it was, it was because Daryl will track those things. It was some kind of blip in new activity that, that alerted you. That's yeah. Yep. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. What other kind of obstacles? I'm sure there were other bumps along the way. Hmm. Um. You know, not really. I think we, I, again, it's, it's it's helpful to have a partner you work well with. And my obstacle is time. Mm-hmm. I just do way too many things and um, and the styles being a little different, but nothing else really. Um, I think for this last edition, we would have included even more visuals and mm-hmm. more photographs um, if we could have. Like there are only so many things that we can draw. And yeah. um, that was a challenge to find um, material mm-hmm. that um, we would have wanted to use, but we just didn't have any access or ability to find that content. Yeah. Was there yeah. any um, any interesting stories or things you could share with us about the potential global impact the book has had? Because we tend to think about this as really a, a review book for the American mm-hmm. Academy of Pediatrics sort of neonatology board. Um, but I'm sure that this is being used across the world. And, and I'm curious to see how people are using it outside the U.S., Well, we did um, receive this amazing picture from someone in Saudi Arabia who was holding a copy of our first edition in front of um, the most famous building in Saudi Arabia and um, called the Makkah Clock Tower. And that was um, really special um, to see our book. And and the picture has a gentleman holding our book and in the background is the clock tower surrounded by a lot of other people from Saudi Arabia who were on this religious, um, I think, expedition at the time. And it was just fascinating to see our book in that type of environment. No, absolutely. And there, and there has been a few letters and pictures of, you know, folks with their books and it's almost, I was telling Dara, it's almost like the the Travelocity gnome where I'm like, I I want everyone to start just taking a picture somewhere in the world with the book and uh, we can collect it and make a wall out of it. Um, But yeah, it it definitely has that that global presence and, and that picture really solidifies it for us. 
we both have that picture in our office and I love mm -hmm. it. I love it because mm -hmm. it just, you know, sometimes you just take for, you don't realize the impact you can have sometimes. And that's a reminder to that. And, and the same thing a little bit with zoom where, you know, people are, are now in this new in, with the zoom able to tune in and, and learn and listen to things they didn't have access to before. So, um, yeah. And I think including our email addresses yeah. and in the very beginning, mm -hmm. that empowered people, I think, our readers to feel connected mm -hmm. with us a little bit. And so we have heard over the years from so many yeah. people, um, U.S., Canada, Kuwait. Um, yeah. And we're uh, open to feedback. We always see a little blip in our email activity right before an exam. <laughs> Like you said, calcium <laughs> was good here, but not good here. Can you explain? Wow! And, uh, so, so that's I think yeah, this that's is a, an, an unintended benefit of self-publishing too. I think there's this human mm -hmm. aspect when you open the book that mm -hmm. there's no. Um, it's it's a direct interaction with the authors. There's nobody. There's no big yeah. corporation right. that's yeah. overseering right. and and really is in between. I feel like you put the address of where to send mail to. I think in the uh, mm -hmm. in the preface. So yeah, right mm -hmm. off the bat, it's like. These are going to be my buddies. They're going to, they're going to help me. Um, the, no, the, we definitely want you know people to be successful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the benefits of self-publishing is that you get to make a lot more money for yourself, and and uh, mm -hmm. you have had uh, a dedication to uh, trying to do something good with that income. And can you tell us a little bit as as to how you're giving back some of these revenue towards uh, education and doing some some net positive around the world. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, so we, we do think it's really important to give back. And um, in after we published the question and answer book, um, that one was actually written by fellows and junior attendings um, locally. So we, and we, we edited that book. So we thought that it was important to give back locally and we created this excellence in teaching mm -hmm. award to acknowledge one of our first year fellows um, who in our program who prioritizes teaching um, and we give them a thousand dollars that sponsors registration and travel to a national scientific meeting of their choice so far we've given out 10 awards and i think it's just um especially it's really a nice mm -hmm. way to acknowledge how important teaching is and how we value that. Um, so that's one thing that we do. And then the second thing, um, this one we started a little bit later. I think it was in 2016 because we've sponsored six awards so far. Um, we have, it has a terrible title. We're going to have to change this, Cammie. But the Beth Israel Deaconess Neonatology Foundation Education Research Award sponsored by Brodsky and Martin. Um, yeah, exactly. And so the through the AAP, um, we have people apply for this award alongside the Marshall Class Awards. Um, and mm -hmm. we provide $5,000 to fund a fellows research project with a focus on education. Um, so we're really, uh, really excited about both of those opportunities. And we're always thinking of other ways. Mm -hmm. So if, if listeners have another suggestion about how we can give back, just shoot us an email. Yeah, we'll put we'll put your contact info in the in the show description. <laughs> and we'll obviously put the uh, links to show the Lulu, yeah, in the show notes to the yeah. to the books on, on lulu.com and stuff. So that's that's kind of that's great. Do you do you see um when you're giving out these awards and you're trying to support teaching, um do you feel that you have become better motivators for education and teaching because of the books or was that always there? 
Mm-hmm. I think for us it was always there. I would like to see I would like to see more people interested in it, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we mm-hmm. do we do get a handful of applications every year and I think it's increased a little bit, but I want a lot. I want you know a lot of people interested and I think if more people are maybe we would then give a couple awards and not just one award. But I just think it's so important mm-hmm. that I I wish more people were involved in it in some way. Well, and if people haven't had the opportunity to see you all give lectures live, you're, you're tremendous teachers in addition to the work that, that you've done um, with the book. And obviously you mentioned some of the conferences and the review courses that you guys um, are recurrently a part of. Uh, maybe you can tell our viewers a little bit about your kind of new course, the Neonatal Insider. Oh, yeah. So that's... Um... That is, we're we're taking part in it. We're, we no, we're have not, not uh, we're not mm-hmm. like the developers of it, but it comes from two neonatologists who were very involved in the pediatrics uh, neonatal specialty review, and they, you know, I, I think again in these difficult times, it's how do how can we push out alternative forms of education? The live conferences have been somewhat limited. And so they were the brainchild behind, uh, let's, let's bring largely what we've done uh, before, but wanted to add sort of a, a state-of-the-art spin to it, um, not just to, you know, to gear for a board review, but really start thinking, what's the latest literature? How does this inform practice? And yeah, and that got started, and I think it's been received well. And I opened the first lecture with Jim Moore, and I think the second one will be at the end of August. Um, but it's going to be a curriculum over a couple of years. So I think that's just going to continue to grow too. That's exciting. I, I want to move away from the books a little Very bit. Exciting. And I want to talk about your professional relationship. I feel like when um, collaboration is always difficult, and especially when you are emotionally involved in a project, can you, what is in your opinion, the, the secrets to a successful partnership when it comes to a creative endeavor? Um, the Martin Brodsky edition. <laughs> <laughs> I think a good sense of humor. Yeah. Yes. And mm-hmm. uh, patience. Mm-hmm. I think patience with each other's style yeah. because we, we have the opposite style, as, yeah. as you heard Kami yeah. say before. <laughs> and so, and we like each other. Mm-hmm. And we also have the, I think we're <laughs> very similar physi- as physicians. Mm-hmm. Like we have the same mm-hmm. view. Um, understand the physiology first and then we can think about the pathophys and um yeah I, I think our our overview about how we provide clinical care is very similar um, i think uh communication too and mm-hmm. and in uh, trying to understand the other person not get defensive i think it could have been and maybe a younger mm-hmm. more immature self of me it would have been easy you know when dara said you you got to do this if you don't i'm just going to be really angry. i could have been like Hey, you don't know my style. Right. You know I'll get it. Done. You know? But instead, it's like, yeah, I can. You know, I understand that it's a lot of work, and she should be angry with me if I don't pull through. And so it's really just keeping your eye on the prize and being patient and keeping those communication channels open. And I think I told Dara, I said, listen, if if we get to X point and you don't see something, then I know I'm in trouble. Then I know that I've I've waited too long mm-hmm. or if I've done too much, and then then I'll let you know. Then we can sit down and strategize again. And I think that's been really helpful uh, just to 
be able to communicate uh, well with each other, even though, like I said, the styles are different. There's a lot that are similar, but the the, the work uh, style is a little different. It's interesting, right? How these 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 endeavors, who are supposed to really boost your ego and make you feel like you're the king of the world, um, actually bring give you a, a lesson in humility. I, I think. Yes, um, absolutely. I think that's that's mm-hmm. what I'm trying. I'm, that's what I'm I'm hearing from from both of your answers. I think that's very interesting. Sorry, Daphne, you were going to say something. <laughs> no, I'm I'm wondering, especially because your styles are different, and you know we have lots of listeners who are doing collaborative work. If you guys use any kind of tools to help with your communication or your collaboration and and keep each other on track. No. <laughs> well, I start out with an outline. I was going to say, I think we created five different I, calendars with deadlines. I have an outline and a calendar, and then there, there's the the ideal calendar for Canby. <laughs> I usually meet mine, and then I have the the next deadline is sort of like where I'm not so happy, but I'll accept, and then the third that's deadline right. where that's like you know really that's the eviction notice uh, deadline. Where it's like. <laughs> Again, yeah, oh yeah, right. almost. There, there's a lot of days where it was going to be Brodsky. No Brodsky, <laughs> Brodsky. Um, and, and I would, and I had to have like said, okay, I deserve that. But it's, I think, you know, what I think what allows that, I, I guess, I would just say is sort of that open door policy. You know, we we were opposite ends of the hall, but the same hallway, and I, I know I can call Dara anytime, and I know I can knock on her office door anytime, and 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 hopefully she feels the same with me. And and having that open relationship and and enjoying the differences again, I think we're more alike than different, but but enjoying those differences um, and being able, as Dara said, to have a sense of humor about it and joke about the differences. But in the end, you know, I, I think we both take seriously having an excellent product out there. And meeting a timeline that's reasonable so that people can actually use the product, um, you know, the, the goals remain the same. So that's helpful. It's interesting you say that because I follow you on Twitter, Dr. Martin, and I saw, <laughs> I remember that one post that you had about, uh, I think you're using the note-taking app called Rome Research. Yes, I'm yes. a big fan of. Mm-hmm. For the people who may not be familiar, it's a, it's a note-taking app where you can actually link keywords and basically recreate a little bit of of your neuro, your own neural network and the different connections you're making between concepts and notes. And so, um, I was. So you know, my dream, my dream is to turn that almost into a Rome research document. Really? Because it, it's mm. it's like I, I I don't think I've talked to Dara about this. No, go, go right I, ahead. I think we should stop this podcast at this very moment. I, I'm always coming up like the, don't I'm spill too much. The ideas and the concepts, and then I leave Dara to pick up all the pieces. I'm having palpitations. <laughs> I have a lot of work in the next month or so, Cammy. Don't say, right, don't tell us the idea. Yet. It's 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 a powerful concept of note taking, like uh, Ben was saying, in that it you know you can highlight and tag almost, but highlight very important concepts. But what it does is it starts to link documents together that you just can't link naturally because you can only remember so much or link so much in your head. So but if I, you know, if I linked on um, arachidonic acid, I would, I could potentially have every cross-reference from physiology to disease to the current research or whatever. You have to build it, whatever it is. So to have a book where you can link these critical concepts and then you can just click on that concept. And now 
that thread of that topic across every chapter is now on that page for you to review. And you start to synthesize the bigger picture and understand the bigger picture. Yeah, and right. uh, so, yeah, I'm in love with that app. I, I think it potentially could be used for textbooks. And I've been thinking about that. Yeah, but um, I, I think I don't know if it's going to be I, I don't know how the <laughs> format would, would lend itself yeah. to an actual book. But the idea of of having it maybe on a screen where it could be dynamic and where you can yeah. understand how one concept touches on so many others. Exactly. I mean, that's, exactly. That's really cool. And I think ultimately we want to be like that as physicians. Right. That you have mm -hmm. some mm -hmm. you know symptom and you can immediately link across systems the potential and the impact of that. And, um, you know, some of us do it better than others, but, you know, ultimately that's what you would like to attain. So. All right. We're looking forward to the. You heard it here first, future. <laughs> well, maybe before our own research textbook would be, you know, we, we would like to have some sort of, um, you know, everyone keeps asking for the digital. Mm -hmm. the digital version mm -hmm. or a online version of a course. And, um, and we've had some ideas. We've played some with some platforms. Uh, time is the only factor, but hopefully, hopefully mm -hmm. over the years, we'll, we'll be able to evolve into other formats of learning. Yeah, a masterclass would be fitting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I'm a big fan of the Khan Academy, yes. where they have just very short clips mm -hmm. of very of one concept, um, easy, yes. you know, but explained from starting with the physiology. And I think that really lends itself so well to our content. Mm -hmm. So that's a dream that I'm going to push back, Cami, and say I'd like that one to for us to do that, that one first. Good. That sounds good. <laughs> and what's what's See, cool it's is a that compromise. I just say okay, of course. <laughs> I think that's what's cool, right, Daphne? It's the fact that you you guys are. You have achieved something that's that's of, of high significance, and yet the wheels are continuing to turn, and the projects yeah. it's, that's really cool. Um, <laughs> the, yeah, no, absolutely. Always yeah, I was struck way. by the fact that it seems like the ideas are just flowing, and in fact, <laughs> Dr. Martin, we got to peek into your office earlier today, and so we know that you have a whiteboard full <laughs> of more <laughs> ideas and projects. <laughs> that's right. And so you know. I think we're all we're all trying to navigate, um, no mm -hmm. matter you know what what your job is, like balancing this, like multiple projects and kind of work life balance. So, yeah. how do you guys do it? Yeah, from you know from a professional standpoint, I think, um, and then we'll go into a personal one, I guess, or work life. But professionally, you do have to if you're in academic medicine, you have to keep your eye on the target of what sort of metrics. Um, are necessary for you to kind of mm -hmm. keep advancing along that pipeline. And, and so the, the tracks that Dara and I are, are are different. And that's why our style might be a little different just because the pri how we place the priority, not that it's not a priority, but some things that I got to get done first, maybe a grant or a paper. So I have to get that out um, because that's my academic life. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's, it's, I think you just need to be aware of that. You definitely do other projects, but I wouldn't do other projects until you feel like you, if you're going to do academic medicine, that you've sort of mastered, you know, what that looks like, what, what do you have to get done? And, and you're along that pathway. Um, for a, I also, oh, yeah. yeah. 
I was just going to also add that I think it's important to do something you're really passionate about because then you're going to find time out of, you know, your day, um, either late in the evening or on the weekends or in the middle of the day. If you're really invested in something, it, you know, your, your life, um, work balance, it's easier to find time for that. Yeah. Part. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, for me, work-life balance, it's, it's, um, it's what you enjoy at that moment. I mean, mm -hmm. so there, there's going to be times where I have to commit to more of what's happening at home and kids and activities. And there's going to be other times that allows me to commit more to the work and projects like this. And so I don't have the answer for that, except that, I'm I'm a happier and better person when I feel like I'm 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 making progress in both and I and I can sense I'll feel whether I have to switch directions but also something that I've learned because I definitely more more work minded so I'm I'm not an expert in work life but I think there's these indirects that happen when your family sees you working or your kids see you working and I've heard them say and share with others things that I didn't think they were observing or they were seeing, but they clearly were. Mm. And then I had the joy of uh, being at, I think the 2000 must've been right after our book. So 2012, maybe Neo prep. And I brought the kids and all the fellows or people taking the course mm -hmm. were like by the pool with the book. And I remember later in the day, they're like, everyone's mm -hmm. book. Like they didn't quite get it. Like everyone's your book. Why do they have your book? <laughs> And I just had to laugh. So anyway, you know, I think we when we talk about work life, we have to remember how that expression ourselves in work, our kids see that. And I think there's a lot of good to that, too. Mm -hmm. I, I could not agree with you more. Number one, because I did see my my own parents uh, work really hard and being dedicated professionals. And we never mm -hmm. felt like this was taken away from us. We always th felt like this was an example to follow. But I right. think more importantly, what you guys are describing is that sometimes we have this guilt that if we cannot fit in work within our routine sort of standard week, then we feel like we shouldn't even do it. But it's not supposed to be a constant. It's supposed to be variable. You should be able yes. to say, well, I'm mm -hmm. going to accelerate that work for this period of time and then focus on that later on. And that's perfectly okay. And I think yes. the guilt that sometimes we have should not be there. And you're the example yeah. that we can actually get stuff done um, in that way. Yeah, no, absolutely. I don't think it has to be a dichotomy at all. It's very fluid. We're coming to the end of the episode. So I want to ask my last question. And I know Daphna has, has one more, at least one more question. Um, I, I wanted to, <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you if you had not gone into neonatology, who would you have been today? Do you want to take that, Dara? Um, I, I think, yeah, th this one's pretty easy for me. I would have been some type of teacher. Mm -hmm. For, for certain, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I, and probably of children, mm -hmm. younger preterms, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I, I really, I, I love, um, I, I love that. I'm very passionate about teaching and, um, you know, helping people learn so, a, a very challenging topic mm -hmm. is is especially very rewarding when I see someone understand that. So I see that with my kids. I try to teach them. Well, first I learn the material myself because I've forgotten so much of it, but then <laughs> if they need my help, then I'll teach them after I've explored the internet a little bit. And I really enjoy that. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> so this won't come as a surprise since we, we had a sort of a fan moment about Rome research. I would love to be a programmer. I love digital mm. stuff. I love mm. creating tools that make your job easier, but not just easier, but 
connects mm. things that you wouldn't otherwise connect and allow you to do things you otherwise wouldn't be able to do. And so to be a facile programmer and create tools, mm. I would love that. <laughs> What about the two of you? I agree. I mean, I, I, I taught, um, I taught for a while. I enjoyed teaching tremendously and, uh, I am getting back into teaching now, uh, because I just, I just like that so much, but I am very big on, on engineering design, computer mm -hmm. science. So yes, both, of, both of your, I'm stealing both of your uh, answers. <laughs> what about, what about you, yeah, for me. Yeah, I'd probably uh, have gone into psychology, which makes mm -hmm. sense if anybody listens to the podcast. That's <laughs> what uh, I, my family's full of psychologists. Admittedly, it was my undergraduate major, double major, obviously, with something medical. Um, but yes, I just love um, walking with families uh, through some of the, the difficult mm -hmm. kind of ups and downs of, of the neonatal admission. And so um, yeah. certainly that's one of my, my areas of interest. <laughs> um, my last question, yes. while we still have a little bit of time together um, is, and you touched on it a little bit, but how do you, how do you deal with the celebrity status? And, you know, you mentioned that your kids had seen your book, um, but do they know that you're, you're really kind of neonatal celebrities? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they know that. Um, how do I handle, I, I think it's, I think it's great. I actually am very appreciative that everyone, you know, enjoys what we've done and that it was of use. And I was able to give back to the neonatal community in some way and, and hopefully a, a long lasting way. Um, love when they come up and talk about the book and, and show us all, you know, how they've worked with the book. It's, it's all, it is all very nice uh, to see. I do joke sometimes because as you may know, I, I also do, you know, research and, and I, and I always joke that I can stand up and give a talk about how I cured neck, but the first question is going to be about my book. You know? <laughs> like no one's going to care. Of course. And that's, that's fine. I, that's, uh, people want to hear the hits, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, so it's been nice. I, yes. Yeah. It's been wonderful. I, I, sometimes I'm a little embarrassed yeah. by, you know, sort of, um, <laughs> the celebrity status sometimes if we're going to a conference, but I enjoy talking to people mm -hmm. and, and hearing um, suggestions mm -hmm. about how to improve things. That's how we've evolved, I think, yeah. Yeah. hearing um, from readers about ways of improving things. And we've definitely incorporated um, ideas definitely. that we've heard mm -hmm. from other people. So keep them coming. Yeah. That's what I yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's great. Well, we'll connect you to some listeners for sure. Yeah, is that is that okay for us to share your email address in the show notes? Absolutely, Absolutely. Right. we would love to hear from them, and yeah, we want to grow. We and things are changing all the time. So yeah, that's that's yeah. a that's another topic I wanted to uh, to address, but I guess I guess that will be for next time. But uh, you, you are uh, <laughs> you guys can get the neonatology review books at Lulu Publishing, and uh, we'll put all the links in the show notes. Um, Dr. Brodsky, Dr. Martin, thank you so much for uh, taking the time and for being so cordial and answering our questions. It was it was lovely. Thank you for the invite. This was, this was so much fun. Yeah, it was right. fun. Happy to hear that. Have a good night. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Incubator. If you liked this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcast or the Apple Podcast website. You can find other episodes of the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or the podcast app of your choice. 
We would love to hear from you, so feel free to send us questions, comments, or suggestions to our email address, nikupodcast at gmail.com. You can also message the show on Instagram or Twitter at nikupodcast. Personally, I am on Twitter at Dr. Nikku, spelled D-R-N-I-C-U, and Daphna is at Dr. Daphna MD. Thanks again for listening and see you next time. This podcast is intended to be purely for entertainment and informational purposes and should not be construed as medical advice. If you have any medical concerns, please see your primary care practitioner. Thank you.